0: Hey, everybody, welcome to our uh, uh, episodic series, not serial, totally episodic, uh, modular in some sense, because you can listen to them in any order. And it's a little bit, uh, it is grounded, but it is a bit surreal. Uh, so uh, it was really not a setup, just one character or kind of two characters. And the, the episode is in, you know, like, uh, you'll, you'll figure it out, right? cause it's kind of self-contained or, and part of a broad, b- bigger world. Uh, so either one, that's why it's episodic. Else you gotta do is settle in. And for the transition, I just want you, uh, to, to settle in and, and feel like the slow motion. Uh, Just like the water uh, created like in the water of a fish tank by the fish tank filter. Like the water is moving and and maybe the filter's on like at full speed. So there's like even a little bit of a barely wave action. And we get a deeper look into the aquarium and you see the aquarium rocks and... Yeah, you know, maybe a color, like a couple of decorations and some fake plants and some real plants and some fish uh, slowly making their way around the tank. Uh, and then you m- notice even more the motion of the water of the fish tank and how it re- reminds you of the motion of the sea or a lake, uh, that gentle uh, up-and-down rocking motion at the surface. Uh, not really waves, because uh, the fish tank is, uh, you know, not the shore. It's out there, uh, and usually the water action is pretty similar to that. Uh, like something short of a sloshing, and the water's moving. You can get easy rolling motion. And just a uh, picture that uh, as we start our story here. Yes, hello, you arrived here. And I remember before you first came, the caretaker had been spending a lot of time here working on things, and I, I really wondered what the caretaker was up to. I mean, the caretaker had always been working out back, but now... The caretaker had taken time inside the attraction and uh, got the ride system operating and the audio really taking the time uh, to get things set up. Uh, But the first thing you noticed when you arrived was that the caretaker had failed uh, to prepare the entrance of the ride before the queue and when you came in and the doors weren't operating properly the one was just hanging off its hinges and the other one was just set up against the side totally detached and you came in the entryway and then there was another set of non-operational open doors uh, that didn't seem satisfying to you when you found a broom and you started to sweeping out all the debris that the wind had blown in, and you worked on the first set of doors. I'm always amazed. I mean, I'd heard from some of the other attractions uh, how you've kind of seen your way to some of these mechanisms or improved uh, solutions, which while you didn't get the doors operational because they were automatic doors... You did get them on their hinges and sliders and the automatic mechanism. You made sure it was disengaged so you could roll the doors open and shut. And that uh, kept the debris from coming into the entrance room, The uh, like a, kind of like a chamber to keep stuff from blowing into the queue. And you set to work on the second doors and you sweeped out that area and you even stayed there a few nights. And you got it nice, and you got the signs cleaned off, and you worked on the, the front of the ride. And, and you couldn't get it the same because there was that those ocean rocks with the fake, fake ocean spray. You didn't even know that was there. But you made sure the sign that said entrance uh, was cleaned off in the arrow. It was like you were really engaged, and, and I, I guess... Uh, I did not, not here to offer my opinion to the, the caretaker, but it was remiss, I guess you could say, to say, hey, what about this entrance, and you fixed that, and you fixed the doors, and then you made your way into the queue, where again, you've gotten to know those queues in a whole new way, meandering through the ocean dunes, with was the winding line for the ride, and the grasses, and the sound of the seagulls, and the beginning of the narration, and preparing, which was a big leap for for my attraction, to prepare the guests uh, to see the seas of the myths, and then the future oceans, and then our present seas, and you had the loop going with that famous narrator, and she would say, What calls us to the sea? Why have we always sought out a solace and adventure in our oceans? Is it because our bodies are mostly made up of water, or is it because there's a mystery in a myth to the oceans that surround us, the oceans that inhabit us, the oceans of the myth the oceans of the planning of our future, Uh, join us or set sail uh, for your journey. And then there was the aquapods, they called them. And this was the old uh, Unimover technology, a giant chain of interconnected pods, uh, or a train almost, but a full-circle train. And you hit the green button and started the ride up, and everything had been properly greased and lubricated and repaired by the caretaker before your arrival. And the ride started to move, and since you had never been on it before, you, know, you didn't know the parts that were missing. It all seemed mesmerizing to you. And it began the narration, the same narrator as from the queue. Welcome to the seas of our myths. And uh, the ride kind of set off. Uh, it was interesting as you wrote it and rewrote it and paid attention because obviously not all of these uh, were even myths that were familiar with the guests. And this was one of those rides that never really had a route line uh, because of the, both the technology of the Unimover And it was kind of like a semi-popular. And because our ride was structured with nearly no bottlenecks, uh, that it benefited from riding it over and over again. Uh, So as the narrator explained, uh, delving deep and exploring the myths uh, of the seas and the oceans and the lakes and the rivers all around us, all around our world, and there's a lot of, there was a lot of cool things that the caretaker was able to return to working order. Puddles turning to ash rays. Uh, and then someone riding a brook horse. Uh, and that was just a projection on a wall. He said, is that a brook? Is that a horse made of a brook or a horse from a brook? Uh, and then diving to the famous worlds, uh, and going by, uh, places like Atlantis and even the sea pods traveling through and having sound effects and Lemuria and Mu, Jengu, seeing mer people, uh, the libraries of, uh, Atlantis they seemed to fixate on and it. it even smelled like paper. Now, not to you, that feature wasn't, uh, restorable Uh, the kingdoms of the sea monkeys uh, which had been in in later times become a new important myth uh, and also combined with the nostalgia of intergenerational but these were the sea monkeys of myths talking and celebrating and their counterparts or, or their parallel the blue men and women ruling and, and then uh, encountering the, the, the sea monkeys. Some of this was done in just the murals, uh, but you studied it all. And then one big right-hand turn with the ride, avoiding Benyip, uh, and going and seeing Nemo, Captain Nemo, and also Nemo, there's a little tribute of Nemo, uh, the other one. The Captain Nemo playing his organ and then breaking the wall and talking, saying, you know, this is uh, uh, the part of the ride where we deal with uh, the other part of the myths. Uh, undersea friends, Nemo didn't do that in quotes. He was much more straightforward with his language. But then we set forth and met Cedo and Panlong. Uh, there was a Chessie in the further right side background of the Chesapeake Bay and Nessie and the other side of a mural with their heads randomly projecting them rising up uh, in sea dragons and leviathans and krakens and insignia And then it talked about even more shrouded mysteries. as the song of Fosse Grimm carries you on the air? Or is it the song of the sirens that the sailors would hear? And passing through and hearing the narrator comment on the Fortunate Isles and Formosa and the Bermuda Triangle and explaining why uh, humans had made those into places of uh, popular myth uh, or ancient myth or what was once popular becomes ancient. And there was the uh, sea of myth uh, that was also just way out there and hilarious, like uh, the little coppice, uh whose heads were like bowls of water running along and spilling the water out of their heads, Uh, and then Avalon and Marsburg, uh, a vortex, uh, the lady of the lake uh, smiling and guiding, laughing and lovely, and mermaids and nareids and rukala, uh, selkies, and there's so many, I mean, some of these I didn't even remember. You would ride it again and again and watch them. They were all uh, mostly based in, you know, other than the surreal creatures, uh, uh, very humanoid. So again, you'd watch the sea monkeys and they'd seem to be debating something, or the blue men and women conducting some sort of forum. Or the Mer people uh, planning and uh, reinforcing or again the way they progressed uh, Atlantis uh, and talking about the different myths of Atlantis and was it a continent and was it below the sea? where was it uh, was the library intact? And you rode it again and again, and sometimes you would get off and see a spot that the caretaker had missed, or you know, see something that wasn't working right—the uh, turn of a head that was a little bit jerky—and you'd see if you could fix it, or a scrape on the wall. You, you know, you would run back uh, to where you had things stored like paints and wires and tools, uh, mostly in that anteroom in your bag you carried with you. And you would kind of plus the ride and you enjoyed how it moved uh, so slowly. And this was just the first part. And I liked how you would just, uh, most of the time just climb out and walk all the way back, uh, you know, guests never had that option. They would ride it, uh, from the seas of the myth, uh, into the seas of the future. But you had that luxury. Uh, and you, over and over again, uh, but mostly at some point, as you stopped analyzing it for the myths and started looking for the errors and then just riding it, uh, I don't know. I I was wondering what you were waiting for before moving into the future. But I think it was a matter of you at some point. uh, They never talked about this with any of the other attractions, but wondering if if someone was coming after you. And I I, I, I never had time to contemplate it till now. That uh, Were you mirroring the caretaker in some way? Was this intentional or natural or just who you were slowly becoming? Or was it a fantasy? W- w- I didn't know. W- were there people coming behind you? Or were you just preparing for uh, an imaginary friend or a follower? I say, well, if I, I was, uh, if this is my home, uh, are there other uh, children here somewhere or not? Uh, And I said, oh, is she doing this? Or I said, maybe she just is very sensitive to details and she likes to make sure the moon and the way the wind was blowing, where the sirens and Fosse Grimm's were singing, that she wanted the moon that way and and the clouds uh, uh, to be as billowing and flowing as uh, the uh, creators attempted to make them. And then you would soak in the ride and go all the way back to the entrance, make sure your doors were closed and nothing was blowing in. No debris or anything was uh, clogging up the queue or the anteroom and uh, i guess you had the fullest uh, descent into the myth of the sea in some ways i wish uh, as i heard many guests uh, talking uh, from different places uh, in the world uh, or different uh, collection of knowledge of the world saying oh that is this myth from this place uh or, oh, we studied that myth in the history of this or that, uh, or that was on that cartoon show, the sirens or whatever. I wish you had had access to that history, to the history books uh, or the classes at a, a school or university or the cartoons, I, I wondered, I had never seen these, but I had heard different guests say, oh, that was like when Goofy went to Rome, there was one part, there." oh, I had the, the sea monkeys on the box, there, nothing like that. Or, who's that? Is, was that horse made of water or laughing at the capas? No one said, where's that from? That's uh, strange, their, their heads are bowls and they're just running around, Spill! they're trying not to spill the water out of their heads, uh, and the lady of the lake and her sly, comforting smile, uh, and was it, what was it, is that from, uh, what's that from, and always people would get. oh, that's uh, Queen Isabella of the Sea, or... You know, the, 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 whatever, a lot of people, you know, there was just so many guests that got it wrong. But none of that mattered to you. None of that was really a big deal at all. You just uh you seemed to, to, to want to make things the best you could, and you still seemed to enjoy it. uh But at some point you decided to move on and ride the rest of the attraction. A few times you fell asleep and accidentally did ride it, uh, but you seemed content uh, to stay in the seas of Mitch for a long time. And then it moved into the seas of the future, the oceans of the future. I forget what the narrator says, because uh, that part was a little shorted out. Uh, it said something like, uh, the seas of the future start in our distant past, uh, always calling us ahead. But in order to move ahead, we have to look backwards all the way back uh, to 700 A.D. in the Taika people. And uh, the ride showed them uh, pinning uh, the seas and uh, innovations of Buckminster Fuller Uh, became uh, geodesic uh, domes, uh, uh, these uh, geodesic uh, containers that uh, would float uh, throughout the sea, uh, trying to create something that was uh, both uh, sustainable and humane for the fish uh, out in the oceans. And then it went on to start to show, uh, how non-ocean friendly technology could, was slowly uh, going to be converted uh, to much more, uh, environmentally friendly things and how, uh, oceanic cities uh, that were portrayed in these beautiful ways and these, uh, uh faux vistas, uh, that you could get off and look and that was another thing you replaced the little light bulbs on the on these giant platforms and it showed how harnessing the power of the waves and the sun and then we descended underneath uh, even though it was just a trick of light and paint and water sounds uh showing what was called thermic conversion and the way the water moved within the ocean, just like the wind in the air, and how that could also uh, be harnessed uh, to power these uh, cities. And eventually, the narrator said, uh, the power on the land and how they could f- fix uh, some of the other things, uh, capturing uh, humongous amounts of carbon dioxide and these uh, oceanic uh, cities, uh, with these uh, giant uh, pens with the waste of the cities uh, becoming essential, uh, with the algae taking in all the CO2, in gently going down to, to the bottom of the ocean. And as we got deeper, we began to get a view of where you might live under the sea if you didn't live on the surface in one of the, the great interconnected surface cities or former platforms, uh, seeing these interconnected pods, uh, uh, some that could also be on the surface and some pods that would just sink during times when it was rough on the surface. Uh, I think I forgot to, I had to sneak that in there. But the cities uh, below the sea were much less cities than interconnected camps in some way or stations. And some of it was also based on science fiction, some fun and, and, and some more future futurism based uh but uh, there were scenes uh cartoony scenes of uh adults and children leaving to commute by a personal submarine and uh kids, the sub bus is here to get you you know don't forget to wear your flippers uh and views of the future of the sea from the nineteen twenties and thirties the fifties and sixties all the way up until uh, the time the ride was constructed. And we went down uh, to Neptune Base, uh, full of aquanauts, as they called them. I forget which year. Yeah, this was a vision of the future, but it was modular homes and science pods, uh, uh, the arboretum with uh, artificial light and some light even piped in from the surface. And they said, all this plant life's here to make it feel a little bit like a home. And then you passed uh, different views of people exploring the ocean with these hookah lines uh, where they didn't need suits or even tanks, just a line attached to their home. Or uh, oxygen uh, sub-following them out there, uh swimming in the sea, getting it around. And then we went to the deep sea and saw the reinforcements in the future and uh, the curious things of the unexplored areas yet to be unexplored and comparisons to the moon and uh, all those things. Uh, but when you started rewriting and rewriting this part of the ride and re kind of, uh, wouldn't do, I guess you weren't refurbishing it. You were still furbishing the ride, just like you had done with the myths. Uh, you seem to be obsessed with uh, this one part, uh, with the more cartoony, but reality based uh, future of the sea, the life of the undersea chef, uh, Of course, it was one of the sillier characters from our park pretending to be an undersea chef, uh, a Neptune base, and explaining how hard it is to cook under pressure, and that the character was sweating under pressure, jokes about that, uh, and then jokes about how down under the sea you have to uh, be careful because the smells are so much stronger. And you see, you seem to get all those jokes. uh, I guess because of all the body language, it was, uh, so much based on that and the character bringing stuff out, even though it might look delicious. Everyone, uh, saying, whew, uh, yeah, I never smelled turkey under pressure before, uh, or, you know, overcooking something, toast or whatever. You found that hilarious. Uh, And i would say, well, it's kind of middling. You also studied the children after they headed off on their aqua bus. Uh, Some of the children went to a virtual academy with uh, kids on the surface and the screens and the virtual reality that showed their classmates or their teacher and there's always in these, uh, even in, not just in our park, there's always a seal that is a family pet, uh, or a dolphin. And in this case, you know, the seal kind of barking and interrupting the class and you would go and pat the, uh, the seal on the head. And that was kind of the carrying of the ride towards the end and the main message, uh, it seemed like you liked the children, but you knew they were just uh in uh, older tronics that's so almost more mannequin moving mannequins uh but you you paid attention to how they said in and in the future children are it's extra important you know they did it subtly at first with the classroom saying, now how's everyone's project going and the deplasticization. Or, what have you learned about carbon dioxide, uh, Franny? And all of that. uh, But uh, they talked about how the children are supposed to be good stewards of the sea and not repeat the mistakes of their ancestors. And this was the last transition of the ride. uh, Kind of the underlying point. Uh, The ancestors who saw the ocean as boundless and limitless, who took the seas for granted, as the narrator said, who built in awe of her power, but never contemplated her fragility. Who never realized the interconnectedness of all things uh, on land and sea-like. And how the children were learning uh, important lessons on how to restore uh, all visions uh, for the future uh, to ensure the future of the seas. And then again, it kind of was lead- building again uh, towards what you were going to get next on my attraction. And I said, as you depart soon for base Moo, you'll learn how to recognize and respect and value and protect our living seas. Uh, the sea's so important to our myths uh, the sea's so important to our future The seas that make up you know they said the statistics of how much it makes up a person and the planet Earth And it said now you as you depart your aqua aquapod you'll board an aquavader to carry you thousands of fathoms below the sea to Moo Base you know, So please collect your belongings and your young ones and uh, watch your step as you step to the left on uh, our moving walkway. And thank you uh, from the seas of the past, uh, from the seas of the myths, and the sea of the future. We thank you. And uh, we something about, again, the audio, but it said your, your departure to Mubase. And then, as you got off, there was still, some of the audio was still working uh, and it had been restored. I said, "You're going to board an aquavator, and there was a uh, banks of aquavators uh, that you were supposed to line up for." And I said, "Well, she's never been on an elevator before." They said that the aquavators would take you deep below the surface to the largest aquarium of its kind in the world, where all the different oceans of our planet are represented all teeming with life. Uh, This is a real science-based aquarium where we're testing out new ideas every day and how to ensure the future of our uh, flourishing seas uh, where we work on solutions so we don't repeat the mistakes of our past. And we ensure that the chains that interconnect all of us and something. But then as you got to to the door of the aquapod, a lot of the aquapods were, uh, they were more blocked off or you couldn't even recognize your door, but the closest one to the right exit, uh, had a little chain across the door with a sign on it. And the sign said, uh, thank you for your patience undersea explorers. We're preparing for our newest undersea guests. Uh, so the something like uh, they think you were supposed to take it. The aquapods were closed, and you tried to open the door. You didn't realize the sign was handwritten. I, I thought I said she didn't recognize the sign was handwritten uh, by the caretaker. Of course, I believe. Uh, but the chain was easily removed. But the doors were fused together, welded together, plastic. Uh, so, so, so despite your pushing. And trying to restore the power and see where the power to the button that opened the door went, uh, it wouldn't open. And then finding where the right operator would actually open the door, that button it still didn't open it. Uh, and you were sticking things and prying and pulling and and yanking, but nothing worked because uh, the doors were welded or melted together. I guess in some sense. I don't know if you can weld plastic, but you wouldn't give up. And eventually you found uh, something to start chiseling away and scraping away uh, in between the two doors. And little bit by little bit, uh when you persist, nothing seems to be able to stop you. You were not deterred at one bit. You eventually got through. It took you a while, and I think it was good for your shoulders and your forearms. Uh, You eventually slid the doors open with little ragged plastic tendrils hanging from them on the edge. And you boarded the aquavator, and you looked around, and I think you got the general idea from other attractions. Uh, The headroom, it had a floor with a little... uh, uh, a glass viewing area and a glass viewing area at the top and windows uh like a glass elevator, uh though there was nothing on the other side of the glass other than the chamber you were in. And you got an idea for the button and then you slid the doors closed. uh And at first nothing happened and you realized, oh, I have to figure out a you know, the the ride operator. So you did that, but since the doors were kind of detached anyway, you were able to start the aquavator and jump right in and close the doors. And it began to vibrate, and uh, the narration on this was not really working. But then the rumbling of the elevator as it seemed to descend, and then the bubbles just started to... So you couldn't see out the window or below you because the water was churning so much and bubbling and bubbling and bubbling as uh, the ride descended. And then the the, uh, audio did kick in at some point, and it was a deep, hollow voice, uh, almost like something like thunder in a tin can, uh, now in a ring, moo bass. You know, 30 fathoms below surface, uh, depressurization beginning. And then the bubbles changed and some sound effects and air effects uh, came on, though you did not know that. Uh, and the shuddering stopped and the motion stopped. Uh, and there was another set of doors at the, on the other side of the aquavator, but they didn't open. And at first you, you didn't you didn't really enjoy that, uh, and you tried to pull the doors open, and you thought about uh how, how deep is thirty fathoms, how far did we just travel that I'm friggin' stuck on this excavator? And then you really worked at the doors, uh, and you had brought your chisel, and you stuck it in the door, and the door was not welded; it was uh, there was something on the other side. So you were able to get the doors open a little bit, uh, uh, but you needed something else, uh, because whatever it was, it was like a a thick bar. You just couldn't, couldn't get through it. Uh, you thought about your tools and you said, how do we get it? And then you pulled it out and you said, how do we get this elevator up? Uh, and you grew frustrated. And then you wondered how, uh, what was up with the other doors that it came through? And you went to slide them open to see if they would just be on the other side of wherever you descended to. And as you slid the doors open, you realized you hadn't traveled anywhere. It opened up to the exit of the Unimover ride, right where you had boarded. You hadn't uh, traveled an inch. It was all an illusion. And then you replayed the illusion again and again, riding or starting the descent descent of the aquavator. And I think you found that amusing, heading down to uh, Boobase, 30,000 fathoms or whatever, and watching the flowing bubbles and the rumbling and the tumbling. All an illusion. Uh, the Aquavators are part of a good show. I, I would have said to you if they could speak to you directly. You smiled again and kind of had a chuckle. And then you went and you got your, your saw and you worked your way through the bar on the exit door and did some pulling and some twisting and some pushing. Eventually, you got those doors loose as well. And you slid those doors open, and you stepped into another world, uh, a world so much different than what it once was. Uh, and if it was anyone else uh, from the time uh, the park was in operation, it would have seemed very bleak to their eyes. But to you, it was just more of a curious sight. Uh, and There was an the ancient vegetal smell in the air hanging everywhere, and you couldn't, you didn't know that this was once a giant undersea aquarium, even though they said it in the audio, you hadn't been, you didn't know if it was a series of aquariums uh, or both. Uh, once it was full of water and full of life and fish and plants, uh, but all you saw as you walked or walked around were broken windows, giant, broken windows, you know, looking out on an empty landscape uh, that in some sense reminded you of a real version of the dark side of the moon ride that you had been on, uh, full of rocks, uh, uh, dark with old vegetation and, and dust everywhere, covering everything, you walked around. And it looked t- terribly un- like uncleanly, like it really needed a, a touch-up, and incredibly boring. Like, uh, and of course, your suspicion was raised: what was this, or what is this, or why am I here? And it took a while of walking before you saw that the little panels uh, were set where the windows once were. Uh, the viewing portals or whatever they called them, the fish spotter guides. Uh, and you wiped the dust off and saw how they described what fish you might be seeing in each uh, window and what plants and other uh, friends under the sea, how to identify them, what, 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 uh, why they had a beak or, you know, why their fins were set this way or that way you know, what ocean we were looking in on, and uh, what depth. Uh, and as you have read these and wiped more of them off, you puzzled and tried to look at them and picture what you should have been seeing versus uh, just uh, this rockscape uh, that you were viewing across or down into. And, of course, it didn't take long for you to climb in there and start to examine the stone and the rock work and uh, dust off the coral and everything that was left behind, uh, the faint traces of once was. And You stood in there uh, and sometimes two three stories down looking around, and that instinct you've carried with you from attraction to attraction seemed to kick in uh, that you started this journey with. Uh, and you set to work uh, cleaning and picking things up. But you started with the glass from the windows. Uh, and I thought about it. You didn't have a lot of experience with that. Uh, and you piled it up into different piles and different shapes and it looked like you were kind of like a guest, uh, plotting out how they're going to solve a jigsaw puzzle. And you tried sticking them together and looking at the windows and the edges. Uh, you had that furious focus, uh, of where to start where to begin your fixing, uh, sweeping or. Yeah, finding the the air filtration or getting into the uh, empty aquariums, uh, trying to process what they'd be like full of water. And I think even when you started, you could, part of you could see the futility of your actions. uh, But at the same time, you refused to acknowledge that and you kept uh, walking around and and waiting for a plan to kick in until eventually it kind of dawned on you that this wasn't a monumental task but an impossible one to restore uh, the world's largest working aquarium to order. Uh, And it made you glare at the the vacant uh, space uh, all around you. Most like you could will it to return to a flourishing fish fest, and even after realizing and you you couldn't fix it that you couldn't set this ride back in some order, you seemed to just stomp around inside the aquarium, uh, kind of pouting, I guess. Uh, And eventually, you hopped into this one canal. Uh, You wanted to walk every inch of it, I think, uh, hoping something would present itself. And you really seemed uh, uh, fed up, and you started banging on this. At the end of the canal, there was this giant metal door. You were banging on it. uh, And I didn't realize maybe it was out of inquiry, but I think it was out of irritation. When you banged on it, it, after the third or fourth bang, it caught your attention because it wasn't an empty hollow bang like when you banged on the doors of the aquavator. And it wasn't a solid, uh, empty splat bang like when you uh, go against the concrete uh, that it doesn't wield at all. It was a different sound, uh, almost a plunking sound. And you explored the edges of the door and you scrambled up and you started calculating that there was something on the other side of that wall you hadn't seen. And eventually you, you, you had to go up and you had to really explore to find, uh, an exit out of the back of the attraction. They'd put a lot of old storage in front of those exits, uh, she so had a lot of move a lot of old uh, junk and uh things uh and presentations and all those things, and you shifted all this out of the way and you found a door and exited into another part of the ride that guests could only go on a reserve to tour for uh one of the sustainable parts of the ride outdoors with just a uh with just a net overhead to shield, the the, the the full sun from the back. And out there was the aqua farm. And there were still pens, including the one up against the canal that would sometimes, uh, the fish were at times able to freely flow from the ride in and out, uh, or the aquarium. A working fish farm with bubbles bubbling and fish are swimming, and when they saw you, they immediately remembered that the caretaker is the one that feeds them. So the fish rushing around to get a view of you, and you smiling and laughing and seeing these fish uh, in in these really really nice uh, nice pens that allowed them to swim in circles. Uh, and all the informational things were still there. So you read it and then you found the tour guides uh, guide a book and you read through and you read about how often the fish are fed every day. And you even found a grease pencil and uh, a laminated card uh, with the schedule of when the fish were. And you kind of determined that uh, someone had been feeding these fish. In fact, these were the fish that were feeding you from time to time. And you fell into a routine of always returning here. In feeding the fish, of taking over the care of the fish and the replenishing of the water. As you read more and more about it, the checking of the filters skimming of the surface. Uh, you became the caretaker of the fish farm in keeping it operational. And he said, well, that's a little bit different than fixing a giant sea-based aquarium. But you kept it going and he uh, didn't know at some point if you would make the connection at the the caretaker, but I think you knew that, uh, I think, I guess I did forget because you read, uh, since the tour guide talked about how this is, uh, these are the fish uh, served in some of our finest restaurants, uh, and, uh, you seemed policed, uh, despite, uh, not being able to fix my entire attraction, you were still able to sustain, uh, an upgrade, and maybe maintain for those who would come after you, whether that was an imagination or true. You kept the things going and you made them a little bit better and you accepted uh when the job was just uh, uh too big or not worth your time. And so thank you for keeping the bubbles flowing and you know, having fun on that aquavator. And I'll you know, I, I get to see you whenever you come to feed the fish, which is great for me. And I'll talk to you soon. I want to thank everybody that became a patron in the past week. Uh, say thanks and good night to Stephanie, Kim, and Erica. Thanks, thanks, and good night to Sonia, Ayana, and uh, Jackie. Uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, to Virginia, Jed, and Susie, thank you, thanks, and good night. To Andrea, Matt, and Ray, thank you, thanks, and good night. Uh, to Tyrone, Usama, and uh, Asian Pop Weekly, thanks, thanks, and good night. Uh, thanks, and good night to Misha, to Jay, and to Patricia. Uh, thank you, and good night to Robert, Lisa, and Matthew. Uh, thanks, and good night to Mary D. Uh, Kate and Megan, uh, thanks and good night to Frank, to Tori and to Martin. Uh, thank you and good night to Becky, to Scott and to Adrian. Uh, thank you and good night to Nancy, to Cyrus and to Annette. Uh, thanks and good night to Calm, Lindsay and Christina. Uh, thank you and good night to Michelle, uh, Aaron and Mary. Uh, thanks and good night to Esme, uh, Cindy, and John. Uh, thanks and good night to Megan, uh, Chad, and Galgarithm. Uh, thank you and good night to Pat, to Aaron, and to Claire. Thank you and good night to Stephen, Jessica, and Susan. Uh, thank you and good night to Ivy, Anna, Rana, and Syed. Uh, thanks. Good night to Lauren, to Jan, and to Ryan. Uh, thank you and good night to Josh, uh, Pamela, and Delia. Uh, thank you and good night to Hazel, Maggie, and M. Uh, good night and thanks to Jason, Laura, and Soul uh, J. Thanks and good night to Easton, to Hal, and to Anthony. Uh, good night and thank you to Harris of Virginia and Laura. Uh, good night and thank you to uh, Christina, uh, Laura with a U, and Lee. Uh Thanks and good night to Andy, to Kristen, and to Barrett. Uh, thanks and good night to Madeline, Emily, and Galen. Uh, good night and thanks to Veronica, to Jim, and to William. Uh, good night and thanks to Perla, uh, Teja, and Life with Liv. Uh, thanks you Night, know, to Colin, to Joshua, and Mike D. Uh, thank you, Night, know, to Fred, Eve, and D-Chan. Uh, thanks a you, Night, know, to Sarah, Stephanie, and Stacy. Uh, thanks you Night, know, to Anne-Marie, Astronaut, and Hillary. Uh, thanks you Night, know, to Paige, uh, Kimberly, and Suzanne. And uh, thanks to you, Night, know, to Lady, uh, Jamie, and Lena. Good night, and thanks to D, to Jarrett, to SG, and David. And thanks, and good night to Matt, uh, Emily, Hillary, and Karen. Uh, thank you, and good night to uh, Stathi, Sanger, and Jessica. And good night, and thanks to David, uh, Benaya, and Rico. And good night, and thanks finally to Emily, Trent, and Lily. Thank you, thanks everybody for supporting. Good night.